Hey, welcome. I'm Mitch Reynolds. This is Lacrosse Talk PM on WYZM News Talk, 1410 AM, 92.3 FM. Thanks for joining us here this afternoon. This hour brought to you by Habitat for Humanity. They're supporting us this hour. You can join us this hour using the Better Hearing Center talk and text line at 608-785-7914-785-7914. Also on Facebook and Twitter, you can send me an email, Mitch, at 1410WYZM.com. You can send me an email anytime, any subject, anything you got. Completely fine. But again, oh, and uh, Facebook Live, too. Facebook Live, yeah, because all sorts of interesting things happen here in the studio. So you could watch it. Or you could just minimize it and listen online that way. Or stream online, wisdomnews.com. Man, there's just, it's endless, isn't it? It's, it's as if we're trying to bore our way into your brain. U.S. Senator Ron Johnson will join us here in a few minutes. We'll ask, uh, who's got more money, him or Aaron Rodgers? No, we're not going to ask that. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> we might. I think Senator Johnson's worth a couple nickels, as far as I know. Um, but I don't know if he's got that many nickels. Because Aaron Rodgers just signed a contract for a lot of nickels. A bunch of them. Man, that guy. That's a lot of nickels. Got to sign a lot of, lot of, sell a lot of jerseys now. Uh, 608-785-7914 again. Uh, Ron Johnson will ask him about uh, some of the developments. I, I can't really get a handle on. And, and I honestly, I haven't spent a ton of time really digging into all of the bits and pieces of whatever this NAFTA deal is. But I just, I'm not sure that we're, that there much is really going on here as much as we're told something is going on. So are we, do we really have a deal and our car prices is going up or will they go up or do we know that? And what's the deal with, with dairy products and what's the impact here? What, what is our, what is our end impact? Uh, it, it's interesting because we have you get some People suggesting that now it's the end of tariffs somehow. I think it was a little, that might be a little premature, but we'll find out. We'll ask the senator about some of that. He's been uh, pretty critical of what we've seen so far with tariffs. Um, we'll see what he has to say about uh, whatever development has happened with uh, NAFTA. So we've had uh, some different views of uh, Coon Valley, uh, the place that was probably the... I wouldn't say the hardest hit because other places were hit really, really badly. As you've seen the pictures of Ontario and Leon and um, what else? Uh, what am I thinking? Lafarge? Is that right? Not Lafarge. Eh, somewhere. At any rate, the places that have been kind of walloped by the high water, but uh, Coon Valley really just got just beat. At any rate, so... Some, we've had some people visit there today. Uh, Governor Walker was there today. Uh, it's, um, it's good to see that the water has largely receded. Uh, they're now, it's, it's dig, dig out and clean up kind of time, which is really all, obviously all the work. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff getting tossed out clearly, you know, uh, but it's interesting to see some of the, the vehicles and, and, uh, you know, there's this picture of this. RV that's kind of flipped over 
which is just amazing when you think about. So when we live, when you live on a river bottom, like we do, some of us do, not all of us, obviously, but when you live on a river bottom in, in, in a big river, like the Mississippi, you think of flood, you're thinking of like the inundation where the water slowly rises, right? And when the others, those of you who, who live in the valleys, your floods are, are not necessarily like that. I mean, they can be, they can be, but they can also be like what happened this week where the water is, is like a freight train coming through. And not everybody had the same experience either. It just, it sort of depended on the amount of rain and where you were and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, I was interested to hear that lacrosse emergency management director, Keith Butler says that this is, this is, this is global warming and that we're seeing century, what, what are they called? 100-year floods? 500-year floods? On an annual basis, and from his perspective, it's global climate change. It's global warming. Global climate change is to blame for, for um, 100-year floods every year. And honestly, in some cases, like Coon Valley, yeah, I mean, pretty close. We've, it, it seems like, and I know this is not exactly the case, but it seems like Ontario and flooding are two words that come out of my mouth on a regular basis, which doesn't feel like that's how it should be. So I, I will, uh, we'll delve more into that coming up here on Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm curious to hear what you have to say about that. I, I know that we've gone round and round with the concept of global climate change, what it looks like, what it is, what it isn't, how it impacts your daily life or doesn't impact your daily life. Is your grass brown or grass green? You know, what, what, what do we got here? What's going on? How much rain are we talking about? You know, eight, eight to eight to inches, eight inches to a foot. Is that, is that, that unreasonable if that falls every couple of years on one area? It seems like a lot of rain. It seems extraordinary. And it is. It is extraordinary. But what does that mean exactly in terms of this that ongoing debate that some people have about whether the global climate really is changing and to what extent and how it that impacts us, all of us, perhaps? What impact that have has on the food supply? And where we live and how we live and how we build our houses and how our houses are insured. You know, the flood insurance, how that is, uh, how that impacts us. So we'll have those conversations. I'd love to hear from you. 608-785-7914. We're going to uh, step away for just a second and then we'll come back with Senator Ron Johnson right after this. Hi, my name is Dave Cornell. I'm one of the owners at Fox Hollow Golf Course. When I think of Ultra, I think of the personal relationships I've had there with all their employees. Whenever they come out, it's always relaxing to deal with them, whether it's having a beer, playing around a golf, or talking to them about the business itself. Ultra Federal Credit Union can assist any business with all of its business banking needs. Visit ultra.org or call 855-490-4518 for additional information. Well, we're going to find out. Ultra Federal Credit Union, it's where you belong. Federally insured by NCUA. 
Now at Menard, save big money on your next project with 11% off everything. Build your next outdoor project with AC2 treated decking. 8-foot AC2 treated thick deck boards are 15% thicker than traditional deck boards. Just $3.55 each after sale price and 11% off. Plus, additional sizes are also on sale. Get 11% off everything now at Menards. Good through September 1st. Savings are a mail-in rebate. Some exclusions apply. See store for details. Save big money at Menards. The Crosstalk PM and WIZM, I'm Mitch Reynolds. Thanks for joining us here this afternoon and this evening. And uh, this hour brought to you by Habitat for Humanity. On the phone with Senator Ron Johnson. I appreciate you being on. Thanks so much. Hello, Mitch. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. I'm doing well. Again, thanks for being on. I I, I know that there's been some... Um, I want to ask you first. I know there's been some support for your uh, the uh, SOFA Act uh, moving forward. I want you to tell me, uh, first of all... This has been a long time coming, and and, and it, it, this is this has to do with the, you know, opioid, the battle, the great opioid battle that we're going through right now. But tell me where that's at at this point. Sure. Well, for, first of all, SOFA stands for Stopping Overdoses from Fentanyl Analogs. Uh, we named the we had the acronym the same as uh, uh, Saving Others for Archie. That was uh, Lori Badura's son who died of a overdose. I, I believe in lacrosse. Quite honestly, um, I may have had that wrong, but. You know, fentanyl analogs are just a slight mono, uh, molecule change from the, the synthetic uh, fentanyl, every bit as deadly. And it's what we're, what we're trying to do is update our law so that law enforcement can immediately class this as a, as a dangerous drug and, and with, with big penalties so we can hopefully keep it off our streets. So most of the stuff comes in from China. There are things we're trying to do as well. But I, I got to give a big shout-out for Brad Schimmel. This is really unusual where 50 states attorney generals would sign on to a letter urging Congress to pass particular legislation. I think it's only happened one other time in history is what I've been told. So, I mean, it's just yeoman work on the part of, uh, first of all, our state legislator, Brad Schimmel. We've been leaders in trying to grapple with this, but we're losing the battle. I mean, 72,000 Americans lost their life to over some form of overdose last year. Fentanyl is a growing problem. Uh, we're, we're seeing fentanyl being laced in, in marijuana. There are no safe drugs anymore, um, not that there ever were. Right. This is a huge problem. This is one, one part of the solution. So with all the support from the attorneys general, it, it doesn't seem like you'll have that. I mean, you were introduced this last year. Uh, how, how does it feel moving forward? Well, we're hoping to put it on to a, a group of bills uh, on, you know, really addressing the opioid crisis. It's not included in that group right now. Hopefully this letter will get it included. If not, I think this letter will help us uh, pass this by unanimous consent in the Senate, and then with Jim Sensenbrenner's leadership in the House, uh, get it passed in the House and signed the law. We're, we're going to be pushing it hard. And again, it's this letter from the attorneys general that really, really turning the heat up on Congress to get this thing done. Yeah, with all that, it, it, from the support from the attorneys general from around the uh, attorneys general from around the states, it would seem like that's an acknowledgement that this problem has really gotten out of hand. Well, it has, and you know, it is a complex problem that you know I always say is a kind of a three-legged stool. You need to address the demand, the supply, and of course treatment. You know, treatment is very difficult. It's unfortunately not a high level of success. I think we need to really you know, do research into what is the best uh, way to treat uh, all addictions. Uh, supply and addiction, this is, you know, this obviously addresses the supply and addiction, but from my standpoint, 
if we can prevent, if we can convince people not to take these drugs, not to become addicted, uh, we've made some progress. You know, I proposed the Prop Act promoting responsible opioid prescriptions. It, it made so much sense that the CMS, the, the governing body of Medicare and Medicaid, just adopted it regulatorily. Uh, so, you know, we, we are starting to address the overprescription of opioids. Uh, you know, doctors are now aware that uh, these opioids are not uh, addictive-free. They, they really are very harmful. So, again, we're, we're trying to address this uh, from a number of different fronts. It's a very difficult, very complex problem. Shift gears a little bit. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. I haven't spent a ton of time digging into it, but I'm not entirely sure what sort of deals are being made with the North American Free Trade Agreement. Um, I do know that that agreement is seen as essential by many uh, in Wisconsin, especially some, some, some farmers. Where are we at with that? What progress has been made to your understanding, and where is it heading? Well, first of all, it is extremely important that we conclude the NAFTA agreement and get that back into operation with both Canada and Mexico. Wisconsin has a trade surplus with both Canada and Mexico. Mexico is our largest uh, market for cheese, for example. Most people don't understand that. So what the administration has done is they've done the deal with Mexico. Uh, Having done that, they're hoping to, you know, I guess pressure Canada into basically basically agreeing with that deal, so we can you know do a revised NAFTA. Um, but no, it's, it's extremely important. Uh, these markets that, for example, farmers have taken decades to develop uh, because of retaliation uh, with the trade wars, they're starting to lose access to those. The, the steel prices because of the, the tariffs increased. You know, imported steel twenty five percent, but domestic steel has gone up thirty to forty percent. So that's just a tax on consumers. It's making America, or Wisconsin manufacturers, American manufacturers less competitive globally, not only in international markets, but also for domestic markets as well. So I've been trying to you know, carry out my responsibility, making sure that the administration is aware of the problems, the damage being done by the trade war, and, and encouraging them to conclude these trade deals as quickly as possible. They've done it with, with Mexico. Hopefully Canada signs on, and we can move forward and really address the main problem, which is China. So on Tuesday morning, the reports, the business uh, business news reports were something along the lines of car prices will increase because of what's been agreed to. And I, I don't, that's, you know, boiling it down quite a bit, but does that ring true to you based on what you know about what's been agreed to so far? Yeah, I think kind of the, the heart and soul of what uh, agreement we made with uh, Mexico is that uh, you know, cars now have to be manufactured in their parts so using labor no less than $16 an hour. So, I mean, that's that's obviously helpful if you're an auto worker. Uh, you're, you're not going to be competing against lower-priced labor in Mexico. But if you're a consumer, if you buy a car, uh, you're going to be paying the price. And that's what people need to understand about tariffs in general. Tariff is just a different name for a tax on consumers. And if we continue to maintain the high tariff rates on imported steel and aluminum, uh, domestic suppliers, that's allowed them to, again, in- increase their prices 30 to 40 percent. That just increases the price of goods to every American consumer. And so, we're, we're, you know, everybody's paying the price. Um, people need to understand that. Okay. So I think I would I- much rather, and this, this, this administration, by the way, wants no tariffs. They want completely fair, completely reciprocal treatment in terms of trade. I completely support those goals. They, they certainly understand that China's the main problem, uh, but I, I'm hoping that we can move away from these steel and aluminum tariffs because that just hurts American consumers and American businesses. 
And and not just, and I, I asked about cars, but there's a lot of other goods that we're talking about that would, would be impacted, will be impacted. Yeah, I mean, any anything that has components uh, with steel and aluminum, beer cans. Now, that's probably one of the, the least uh, costly increases uh, because the, the, the price of aluminum in beer is pretty small fraction. But, you know, Harley-Davidson motorcycles. But, you know, just think of anything with steel aluminum in it, those prices are going up. A lot of packaging has aluminum foil attached to it. Those prices will go up. And so, again, it's American consumers, Wisconsin consumers, that pay the price for those tariffs. It certainly protects jobs. It protects, you know, individual who, individuals who work in steel aluminum manufacturing. It protects their wages and their jobs, but it costs all of us. You know, we're paying the price for that protection. Senator Ron Johnson on with us. I want to uh, ask you uh, about uh, your colleague who just passed away, uh, Senator McCain. Uh, A lot of uh, different views, a lot of accolades and a lot of respect, but some differing views about uh, his legacy. From your perspective, what is that, not only in the the Senate, but uh, just as a a citizen of the U.S. and as a a, a naval aviator, if you will? What, What do you think of his legacy? Well, first of all, I, I would recommend you and all of your listeners just go onto YouTube and and uh, watch the 18-minute tribute that Lindsey Graham gave to John McCain on the Senate floor yesterday. It was it's unbelievably touching. Lindsey was like a brother to John. There's, there's nobody in a better position to offer that kind of tribute. For my own part, uh, I traveled around the world with John McCain. I came to respect. I came to love him. Uh, he, he's a unique individual. He's he's irreplaceable. But I think his main legacy was how he tirelessly uh, advocated American values internationally. He, he was not only an American hero, he was respected, and he was a national hero, particularly in Eastern Europe, because he fought for, for individuals' ability to have democracy, to, you know, and, he, and he fought for a cause greater than himself. He, he always promoted that. Um, and he was so respected. I, I remember going to Ukraine with him a couple times, uh, walking the Maidan, where you know, Ukrainian government slaughtered their own citizens because they just wanted better freedom and less corrupt government. And people were just shouting, John McCain, John McCain. They, they, they couldn't, you know, they, they just surrounded him. And, and when we were there for President Poroshenko's inauguration with Vice President Biden, not taking anything away from Vice President Biden, we're, we're walking with uh, John and, and the Vice President. Everybody's shouting out, John McCain, John McCain. So he, he was respected. He's loved around the world. But again, he was he was loved because he, he understood that America's ideals of individual liberty, freedom, and our role in the world was to protect that and promote it throughout the world, it was just respected. There's been a significant effort by some, uh, because of his contentious relationship, to discredit uh, John McCain. How, how do you respond to those uh, things that you've heard? And I don't know, maybe you haven't heard them, but uh, there's certainly, if you spend any time on social media, you probably have seen some of it. Oh, listen, I've had a lot of people come up to me and complain about you know, John McCain's stance on a host of issues. And listen, I didn't agree with John McCain 100%, but we disagreed on a number of issues. But that doesn't mean I, I didn't completely respect uh, who he was. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know of too many people that if put in a cage in Vietnam, tortured, arms broken, uh, you know, shoulders, you know, all of the problems John had, being given the opportunity to come home. And turning that opportunity down because it, it just it wasn't his turn. Yeah. Uh, he had no idea whether he'd ever come home. You know, he, he could have died in that cage. I don't know too many people that have the courage and integrity to do that. John McCain did. 
And I don't know how you can't respect that, no matter you know what disagreements you might have with him on policy. But again, I, I traveled with him. I knew the man. Um, he was somebody worthy of re- your respect. And again, so many of us that served with him, I mean, we, we loved him. There's no doubt about it. We loved John McCain. All right, last thing, I'll let you go, but I wanted to ask you, as you know, Western Wisconsin, our area, is suffering through um, this latest uh, round of uh, heavy rains and flooding. There's some areas uh, very hard hit. Uh, there's been an emergency, a state emergency declaration. Uh, we, Our emergency management uh, administrator this morning in La Crosse County said that this is definitely a, a result of global climate change. Uh, do you agree with that? And is there a role that the federal government plays in... In, in just within that, that issue? We've always had weather. Uh, we, we've always had flooding and tornadoes and hurricanes, that type of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm less interested in, in the cause of it as opposed to responding properly and trying to mitigate it uh, through you know, proper building codes and not building in floodplains or certainly not rebuilding in floodplains. We don't want to create that moral hazard. So you know, we're working with the governor's office, and you know, when, when it the problems exceed a certain level and exceeds the ability of local and state uh, responders. That's when the federal government and FEMA steps in. So you know, we're, we're certainly making sure that if the federal government has to play a role, that uh, the federal government will. Let's face it, uh, other states get a far greater share of uh, dis- disaster relief. So you know, I, I certainly uh, join other members of Congress and delegation, make sure that uh, Wisconsin, uh, when we qualify, get, get our, our fair share of uh, federal help and relief. All right. Senator Johnson, I appreciate you being on. Thanks so much. Um, and I will. I was going to ask you about uh, the Aaron Rodgers contract, but we'll leave that for another time. Okay. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Bye now. Lacrosse Talk PM and WYZM. I'm Mitch Reynolds. Uh, we got to get to the newsroom. We'll do that. Uh, your calls and comments, 608-785-7914. The senator said there will, there's always been weather. Uh, 608-785-7914. More to come. Stick around. Good music, great cause. Lacrosse. Lacrosse Talk PM on WYZM. I'm Mitch Reynolds, 608-785-7914. If you'd like to join us here on the air, that's the Better Hearing Center talk and text line. 608-785-7914. Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, on just a little while ago. Talk tariffs and John McCain and a little bit about what we have had going on in Western Wisconsin here this week. Uh, Talked with uh, some who have been in Coon Valley and, um, you know, people that are there working uh, steadily to make things uh, whole again. And they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, The waters have receded. And the great news for everybody that was trying to get uh, help and... uh, you know, supplies back and forth from, well, especially lacrosse, because that's the most convenient thing, is that that bridge opened up again around, well, a little before noon today, I think it was, uh, so the bridge over Coon Creek. So that that is, you know, when you can, transportation is a is a very helpful thing. When you can get from here to there, that's, that's good, that's good news. That's good news. So as the waters recede, obviously, Get a better look there. Obviously, they've got some evaluation they'll have to do. But, you know, you look around uh, Coon Valley, and um, for those of you who are there, who have been there, you've seen that there's a, there's a fair amount of muddy mess. Um, and a lot of people, not only with uh, water and mud in their basement, but uh, in, you know, in the first floors of their house. And a lot of water. A lot of water came through. A lot of homes not livable anymore. There's some 
significant structural damage. There's some RVs that were washed away, for goodness sake. Just uh, just astounding. Absolutely astounding. So, anyway, uh, we had the Lacrosse Emergency Management Director, Keith Butler, was on this morning with Ken Cooper sitting in for Mike Hayes. And there was that converse, the conversation turned to whether these weather events like that happened Monday night, Tuesday morning, whether those are something that is related to global climate change, to which Keith Butler said, yeah, 100-year floods that happen every year. That's exactly what it is. I asked Ron Johnson about that. He said, uh, Senator Johnson, who was on with us just a, a few minutes ago, he said this. Uh, we've always had weather. Uh, we, we've always had flooding and tornadoes and hurricanes, that type of thing. Uh, I'm, I'm less interested in, in the cause of it as opposed to responding properly. That's uh, Senator Ron Johnson in relation to the um, how potentially global climate change is, is connected to the types of weather that uh, we've been seeing. So anyway, your thoughts, 608-785-7914. If you'd like to join us here on the air at the Better Hearing Center talk and text line, 785-7914. Uh, let's see, I've got... Um, uh, this listener on on the Better Hearing Center talk text line says, how do we know if a 10-inch rainfall isn't normal and the weather experience of the last 200 years is abnormal? This is the driftless area, so these coolies weren't cut by melting ice. They had to have been cut by heavy rainfall. Uh, I, you know, they're... Sure, I could see the, the reasoning there. That there's there's something. You could, you could make an argument there. Sure, I get it. I think it happens over time, frankly. The erosion ability of water over time would be my guess. And then they weren't wiped away by the glaciers, or so we're told. So that's, I would submit that. Um, but I think that it is, that's a reasonable question. What if, what if this is exactly what it is? And just over the last 200 years, it's been very dry. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four, again is the Better Hearing Center talk and text line. Uh, let's see. All right, and then some comments in relation to John McCain. Those are coming in too. We'll get to those in the meantime. Let's get to the phone six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four seven eight five seventy nine fourteen. Um, hmm, I'm finding it. There we go. Let's go to Eric first. Eric, thanks for waiting. Go ahead, you're on. This climate change, our global warming climate change, this is nothing less than a political scheme to defraud the United States out of millions and billions of dollars so other countries can do everything they want to do. It's a fraud, it's a hoax, it's everything in between. Thank you. Yep, you bet. 608-785-7914. Also on the Better Hearing Center talk and text line, um, people are panicking because uh, I will be sitting in for my case on Friday. So... (laughs) There's this this desperation out there right now. No. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh we've 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 identified Ken and he is uh way better than I am at this job and uh and the and the job in the morning. But he can't do it all the time. So people are stuck with me on occasion in the morning. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. How about if I promise to come in hungover? Would that does that help at all? Let's go to Tom. Tom, thanks for waiting. Go ahead, you're on. Yeah. How long have you lived here? Uh, 
you know, 24 years, something, 22, okay. four years. How many, how, many, how many years do you remember this happening? I've seen it many. I've been here 60 years. Yeah. I, I've seen this happen out there so many times, it's ridiculous. They had to redo the whole south end of town there where you see all the cement because it would flood so bad every couple of years. I yeah, mean, this is I, nothing new. I've seen quite a few. And in the time that I've been yeah. here, yeah, we've heard, and like I mentioned earlier, I, I feel like I, I say the words Ontario and flooding all the time. So I don't know. Yeah, I you mean, it's, this is what goes on. We get yeah. a heavy rain, you know. Then they call it climate change. I won't ask you if you believe in it and put you on the spot. To me, it's a joke. Al Gore said New York could be underwater 10 years ago. You know, and all the peril, peril, all the polar bears would be dead. Well, there's more polar bears than ever. There's more ice ca- ice on the ice caps than ever. These guys are making money off everybody, making fools of them. That's the way it always is. Somebody's making money off something. This is just normal weather for us. We have climate change four times a year. All right, 10, 10, 10 inches. <laughs> hold, hold, hold on. Ten, 10 inches of rain, you're saying that's a, that's no, that's a normal rainfall? No, it's not normal, but it happens every couple of years more than that. All right. You know, it happens. It just happened in Iowa a few weeks ago, yeah. a month ago. Yep. Yeah. You know, over in Dune, Iowa, they had yeah. 18 feet of water, something ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it happens all over the place like that. It's wherever the clouds the go. Global, the global climate change. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Uh, 608-785-7914. If you'd like to join us here on the air. Seven eight five seventy nine fourteen, and this uh, this came from the emergency management coordinator uh, Keith Butler, manager director, job title Rick. Keith Butler is the. I have no idea. Come on, make something up. Emergency. Yeah. Czar. Okay. Good. Keith Butler, the emergency czar. Uh, this morning with uh, Ken sitting in for my case. I like that actually. Why didn't we come up with that before? You didn't put me on the spot before. I have actually many, many times. About well, Keith not Butler? about Keith Butler specifically, but it. I feel like you're at your most creative when you are not prepared in any kind of way. Um, I'm reading a Wisconsin University of Wisconsin blog about climate change in the Midwest. Okay. Thirty-seven percent increase in. The Midwest area observed change in very heavy precipitation. Oh. And I think the caller that just, you know, was on it echoed that a little bit, didn't he? He just said, said, oh, said it I, just happened in Iowa. Yeah, it just happened a, a few week, weeks ago. A few weeks ago. So the, uh, <laughs> the increase in all these weather, weather patterns begins to look normal because they're, <laughs> you know, we're getting used to them, but they're yeah, freak. I, I don't. A 10 inches of rain, kind of abnormal. That's, that's not, ter- that's not terrib- terribly typical. 18 feet of water? Is that what he said? I think 18 yes. feet. Of, well, I, well, we had, actually, speaking of 18 feet of water, this is pretty remarkable. As a matter of fact, in Reedstown, the Kickapoo went from 5 feet on Monday to 23 feet this morning. So an 18 feet increase in level of the Kickapoo at Reedstown, which is a record, by the way. Um So we can, we can, you know, we can go back, we can look through the record books, we can look at the types of uh, rainfalls that we've been measuring and see for sure. But um, and that's a remarkable level of rain. That's not nothing. That's like, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, it's not quite hurricane level, but it is a lot of rain. You know, in hurricanes, it's feet of rain. But, uh, but 10 inches is something. 
or eleven or whatever it is that I don't even know who got the most rain. I feel like we had three hurricanes last year that were devastating, right? Three or two or Puerto Rico, we have, Texas. So Maria, they're named. Well, I just like the the places Maria, that were affected. Yeah, Leon. Right? Where was Leon? That was the Texas one. That was Texas. Yeah. Right? And there's something else. Was there another one? The J.J. Watt one was Leon, right? Yeah, and, and you're naming them. I'm, Maria I'm was done. Puerto Rico. I'm over naming them. Okay, you're Six. not going to be naming them anymore. Right. There's one in Hawaii right now, or just happened? Yeah, it's that's going down. Uh, what is the name of that? Oh, there's always hurricanes. What just is? Getting, you're just getting used to them. Yeah, we just. I, there were a lot of her. I remember a lot of hurricanes in Louisiana growing up. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson, in relation to uh, global warming, um, he said there's always been weather, there's always been storms, um, there's always been rain. I'm, I'm less interested in, in the cause of it as opposed to responding properly and trying to mitigate it uh, through you know, proper building codes and not building in floodplains or certainly not rebuilding in floodplains. We don't want to create that moral hazard. All right. So Senator Johnson is more, he's focused on being more pragmatic about dealing with what, what is, you know, what we have going on here. Just as an aside, however, in terms of FEMA maps, and that doesn't mean that there's the, you know, end all be all, but in terms of FEMA maps, I think the most of the people who were impacted by having heavy waters in Coon Valley were nowhere near the floodplain. Or the fringe, for that matter. Not even close. So, not building in a floodplain would not have helped them. For those of you who saw your houses washed down the bluffs in 2007, not building in a floodplain wasn't going to help you either. Uh, uh, Yes, Rick? I can't come up with a great analogy, but like if your tire keeps going flat, just like, ah, tires always go flat, you just... Stop at the quick trip and air it up at the, you know, air station there. And then, but, or you could go fix your tire, right? Like go get, go to Bion's and fix your tire. Like we kind of, we kind of in that situation where we need to, as opposed to being reactive as proactive in this, in this. Oh man, you know, that's, that's actually, no, you know, you bring up a, I, I was just thinking about this and in terms of the, uh, um, a uh, behavioral proclivities are, are more people likely to, if you have a very slow leak in your tire, are you more likely to just p- add air to it every couple days or stop at a place like Bion's and get it fixed if it takes like a half an hour? How many days do you have to air it up? How, like, okay, if your tire needs to be at 35 PSI, yeah. and how many days, when it gets down to what, 25, you get worried? And and then how many days? So if you know that your leak is your leak will let you go two days bef- and you'll you know you're going to lose seven to ten pounds of air within three days. Say, are you more likely to say every three days I'm going to stop and I'm going to put that ten pounds of air in, or are you going to or are you more likely to spend a, uh, whatever it takes to buy on half an hour three, to drive in and have them take the wheel right. off and fix it? Three days is too frequent. Like I think last year I went. Maybe like two weeks before I was like down seven oh, I'd, pounds. I'd never get it fixed. Yeah, <laughs> but three days like you're just wasting all kinds of time, and you're that's kind of, like that seems like a lot. You're stopping by so, if you're stopping by the Quick Trip every three days. I mean, you're stopping by there because you're eating their hamburgers every every like six hamburgers a day, whatever it is. Well, it's it's two for you get the deal. Yeah.
All right, let's go to the phone. 608-785-7914 if you'd like to join us here on the air. 785-7914. I don't know where Rick was going with the tire thing, but I think it's more interesting to, to figure out whether you... Uh, let's see. This listener asked, how can a 100-year flood happen every year? Well, I think that was the point. So Keith Butler, the emergency management director or administrator or whatever his title is, Keith Butler, his point was, if we're seeing a 100-year flood every year or a 500-year flood every year, that means that there's a significant change occurring because otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't happen that way. That's that's what he was suggesting. Um Oh, Hurricane Lane. Okay, thank you for that. Some of the listener uh we I didn't have the sorry, I didn't have the name for the hurricane in Hawaii. This listener says anyone who's experienced damage due to flooding can contact Catholic Charities and Lacrosse for assistance. Also Catholic Charities is collecting funds that will be distributed to area residents who are affected by the floods if you would care to donate to them. All of the money stays local and is used in western Wisconsin and central Wisconsin to address disasters like floods and tornadoes. Thanks for that. I appreciate you giving us that information. We'll add that to our website as well. 608-785-7914. Let's go uh, to the phones. I've got, uh, let's see, let's go to Jerome next. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. You're on. Mitch, the first house ever built in La Crosse? Yes. When it flooded... It it floated, and so when the flood went away, it came back down. Yeah, which is how this, how if you're living in a riverbed, that's how all houses should be. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> so isn't it funny that that the that the boathouses are the things that the city wants to get rid of? Yeah, they're the target. You know why? Because they're jealous that they never have to. They, there's no never any flooding struggle with the boathouses. They just go up and down. You know, you, you talk about you talk about the, the the weird unintended consequences of of government, uh, uh, help. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> the, the, the first house ever made was literally a boathouse on Pettibone. And then the, he came across the river and, and built a settlement that turned into lacrosse. Yeah. And, and the boathouses every year survive every flood that comes through every single year. It's not something that is rare and, and only happens, you know, on a on uh, every hundred years, it happens every year, and the boathouses go up, then they go down, yep. and they survive. Mm-hmm. And that why is that so hard to understand? You know, it's like if you're going to build near the water, build a house that can tolerate the flood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that makes it. I mean, so, when we're talking, especially when you're talking about uh, again on the river bottom, so lacrosse essentially. Obviously, that makes all the sense in the world. I think people, you know, when you're living. In a little village by a creek, I don't know if people really expect that kind of thing to happen. You know, where there's where there's rushing water going past their going through their backyard. Um, I understand the people so. that are afraid of climate change or global warming or whatever they want to call it. I mean, I think that the reason that it seems so more impactful these days is that there are more homes yeah, and there right. are more people yep. affected yep. because these little communities have grown and people built houses in the areas that are usually safe. And then when that big event comes through, one little section or another little section, or like you say, the town that gets hit every time it floods, you know, it, yeah. it eventually gets to the point where when are we going to wise up and and build like 
say, people in Holland who build entire housing communities that rise and lower with the floodwaters. Those people got to figure it out. People, yeah, they got to figure it out. The Netherlands got to figure it out. They they know what they're doing with uh, with how dealing with the water. They've been dealing. Yep. They, would, they would that, push it back to the water forever. I think that what Senator Johnson was referring to is that we have to figure it out. We don't want to. We don't want to put a lot of money and effort into the wrong solution because so often government knee jerk reaction creates an unintended consequence. Yeah. And so we we should. I understand. Uh, we should be the yeah. ones that are building houses that are equipped to handle hurricanes. We should be the ones that are uh, building houses that are are equipped to handle, if there's going to be a flood, we should be the ones, our houses should be equipped to handle that instead of waiting. We build a house like people build a house that are not in a hurricane zone, and then when it gets destroyed, then we're waiting for the handout. That's, I know we can do that. Yeah, I know we can, we, can. we can build Absolutely. to suit, you know, and it's something that has to be a shift in the understanding of how we go about doing things. Right. But instead of building fewer boathouses, maybe we should look at maybe more people should build boathouses. Or maybe we should Absolutely. build places along now the river dreaming. bottoms that can tolerate <laughs> a flood and never expect yep. that, it, that it might not happen. Just expect that it will someday. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. And, a, yeah. Anticipate that it will happen someday. Drum, I got I to gotta move on to number three. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead, you're on. You're on the air. Go ahead. That tire just goes flat on the bottom, don't it, Mitch? Yes, you don't have to worry about the top, correct. Okay, all right, good. Anyway, <laughs> I traveled to Kickapoo with my chicken truck for about 25, 30 years, okay? Okay, all right. And it was nothing funny to have a rain and see corn shocks come over the hill and hay bales laying in the road. Sure. Okay? Yeah. I can remember it happening a lot of times. Okay. And the Kickapoo rising in this town, and then you got farther down, it would raise again. Happened summer after summer. Town would be closed, couldn't get to the town maybe for two, three days. But people forget all this because there's more news now. You hear about it more. Yeah, I don't think there was as much, and I would agree with that, that there just wasn't as much conversation about no, uh, uh, ongoing flooding around the Kickapoo you know, 30 years ago. Nobody was talking yeah. about it 30 years ago. So, I mean, you know, like I said, I drove up to the town. You couldn't get there. Well, turn around, go back, and get get them next week. Yeah, okay. Yep. And that happened a lot of times. Yeah, it's it, it definitely has a history. That area definitely yeah, I mean, has a history I, I of flooding. I went through Coon Valley and seen water about, you know, just a foot or so underneath the bridge already. In a lot of those little towns down there. But, well, we got eight inches and another two or four, so you got a lot of rain. Yep. Yeah, no question. So not not unusual uh, historically. I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. And I, you know, you'll you'll talk to people with people who have similar memories as uh, number three about about this region and uh, the the levels of rainfall and and uh, how this is not as much of an anomaly as, as some would think. There's more to come. Stick around. This is Wisdom. I'm Mitch Reynolds. The people have spoken. Now you can too. Your calls are now. Hey, welcome. I'm Mitch Reynolds. This is Lacrosse Talk PM on WYZM News Talk, 1410 AM, 92.3 FM. Thanks for joining us here this evening. And you could use the Better Hearing Center talk and text line to join us on the air. Call in or text in. Either way, you get in at 608-785-7914. 
785-7914. Also on Facebook and Twitter, you can send me an email, Mitch at 1410WYZM.com. Well, it was, uh, we talked with uh, U.S. Senator uh, Ron Johnson last hour about a couple of issues. Um, NAFTA, John McCain, uh, the flooding in western Wisconsin, and uh, all of that eclipsed by our conversation with Jerome Gunderson, uh, who uh, 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 believes that, um, and you know, hard logic to refute, frankly, that we should all be in, if you're going to live in a river bottom, you should live in uh, floating houses. I... Absolutely. You know? Like when they built new, rebuilt New Orleans, which is below sea level, why wouldn't they have just all built floating houses? They just all float. When the water goes up, the houses go up. Utilities could be an issue. I Don't get me wrong. I understand that. You know, when you have water, you're connected to water. But just flexible hoses. There's things you could do. You got to be creative. We're building our houses like it's, you know, 1952. Let's, let's get better. No, we can. Or maybe not. 608-785-7914 is the Better Hearing Center talk text line if you agree with that. Or um, I mentioned last hour as well that lacrosse Man- emergency management director or manager or administrator or whatever his job, job title is, Keith Butler, had mentioned this morning on the air with Keith Ken Cooper that this rain event that we saw this week is uh, is a an example of what happens through global climate change. So the emergency management director in Lacrosse County, that's his his premise. Uh, you know, the, you heard last hour, maybe uh, number three, for example, at the end of the hour, said, "Look, it's always been this way." You know, the Kickapoo River Valley has always been prone to flooding. It would you you get out there, there you, there would be water, the water would be high, you couldn't get through. Your thoughts on that, 608-785-7914, I know that whenever there is a dramatic weather event and we're looking for something to, which this was a dramatic weather event, a very impactful weather event, we look for reasons. And the idea that an overall change in the climate is that reason is something that is um, is something that's easy to latch onto. So six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. Your thoughts on that? Whether that makes sense to you? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, speaking of the climate, at least our immediate climate over the next couple of days, that flood warning has been extended until tonight at 9:45 so it they had it canceled and then it got extended again so until 9:45 the flood warning and then uh, tonight all the way down to 51 degrees for a low and then the sunny high of 75 tomorrow so we will uh, the flood warning by the way for uh, lacrosse parts of lacrosse and Vernon County and Monroe County. So those three counties yet that uh, that flood warning and, and that continues to be a problem with uh, rivers, river levels still very high. 
All right, 608-785-7914 if you'd like to join us here on the air. Uh, and uh, like I said, again, tonight down to 5175 and sunny for a high tomorrow. Looking at more rain on Friday. This is Wisdom. I'm Mitch Reynolds. More to come. Stick around. The Crosstalk PM and WIZM, I'm Mitch Reynolds, 608-785-7914 is the Better Hearing Center. Talk at text line 785-7914. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can send me an email, Mitch at 1410wizm.com. We talked with uh, uh, Senator Ron Johnson last hour about uh, some issues. I, I asked him about Senator John McCain, and uh, he had some interesting things to say about that, and we'll we'll revisit that here in a short uh, short bit. But we also... I asked him about the comments that Lacrosse Emergency Management Director Keith Butler made this morning in relation to the rain events that we saw this week, and he um, was he what he was what he said is that this these hundred year floods or these five hundred year floods, which is basically and I, I don't frankly I don't know which one, depending on where you were, you saw a different kind of flood, depending on which one it was. Uh, what he said is that if we have these every year, then that obviously means that our models have changed. And thus, you can say that the climate has changed. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially the logic. This listener says, have emergency management stick to emergency management, and we'll ask Roy Spencer at the weather slash climate. Rick, will you find out who Roy Spencer is? Because that is not any, I have no idea. Is it Roy or Royce? Roy. Roy. Roy Spencer. It'd be way cooler. It was Roy's S S P E N S E R. No idea who that is. S E R. What kind of weird spelling? Uh, that could be missed. That might not be spelled right. I don't know. He's got a PhD from Alabama. He may be a. Uh, okay. Um, we'll just go through the headlines here, right? Is he, is, does this he's guy a, have. He's a meteorologist, apparently. Okay. The second Google search after the first one, which is his website, Roy yep. Spencer. Climate misinformation by source, Roy Spencer. Skeptical science. <laughs> ah, all right. So he's he is a non-climate change guy. He's a climate change no guy. All right, Roy Spencer. So when you say like 97% of all scientists believe in climate change, maybe Roy Spencer is that 3%. He's in that 3%. What? Uh, where is he at? Um, Alabama. So he's just at the university there or something, or what? Yeah, he's he teaches climate, teaches meteorology. I mean, he has Trump in the first in his website in the first, uh, <laughs> like in the description line of the Google search. Of well, there's nothing website. bad about that. Trump is the president. President Trump is the president. Yes, very pro climate change. Well, it doesn't matter. He maybe he's just rational. Maybe he's <laughs> a he's a a, a a an educated, which he is, highly educated. President of the United States with a lot of education. I mean, I could have this guy all wrong. Maybe he's super climate change guy. I don't know. All right. Well, I don't know. Well, any, what's I, funny is I, on his website, yes. Roy Spencer's website, an ad on there is from the NRDC. <laughs> really? So he probably doesn't like that. Oh, that's interesting. Well, uh, I, I clicked on it. All right. I will have to know. I'll have to find out more about Roy Spencer. So thank you for that. I don't know. I didn't know who that was. Uh, Greg says in the Keys they build homes on stilts. Well, that makes sense. Yes. In fact, they've changed uh, building. Was it Hurricane Sandy? After Hurricane Sandy, they they uh, significantly, dramatically changed building codes 
in some of the areas hardest hit on Long Island, I believe, where the stilts had to be taller. There was, uh, then there's some other things that are not related. This listener asked, is number three 100 years old that he saw the last 100-year flood? We should ask him. Next time you talk to him, ask him if he's, whether he's um, 100 years old. Uh, this listener says, I don't think people would be willing to give up their basements in order to get the house high enough to be flood-proof. Yeah. I think that, I think that, yeah, maybe they would. I don't, I like my basement, but if I was in a flood area, I'd, I'd give it up. I'd be okay. I'd be okay with that. I might just build on a deeper a, basement, two basements. I just, I think I just build my house taller so that I have my basement. It's just that above where the basement normally would be. I don't know. 608-785-7914. We've got, uh, let's go to the phones here. Got to make sure I didn't turn anything off. Did I turn anything off over there? Let's go to Johnny. Johnny, thanks for waiting. Go ahead, you're on. Uh, yeah, I just just I was able to tune in right now, unfortunately, but I was just listening to Rick. He had that stat about the 97% of scientists that agree. If you Google that stat, that's actually from a study, and I don't remember, I don't have it all right, but if Rick Googles that stat, that was a, a uh, study done with 100, I think, scientists and um, only like 45 of them replied or whatever, and for, like 90% of those 45 out of 100, or it's some odd statistic like that. It's not like they surveyed like 10,000 scientists. This is a very, very small portion, so that's where that 97% comes throughout that everybody throws around. Johnny, it's remarkable that you, you've, you've just started listening to the program tonight, yep. and the yep. one thing is some goofy yeah, well, <laughs> nutball thing that well, Rick said. That's the well, one I know. thing. I know, but I didn't know I went the rest of the conversation about it. I heard you talk to Ron Johnson, but I, that's the one thing I heard. Yep. And I, I thought I'd just make sure I, I correct I, it. I, so I, if, I, if, I know. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. We'll look it up. Yeah. All right. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you'd like to join us here on the air, seven eight five seventy nine fourteen. Oh, Johnny. He's fun. Let's see. Uh, requires common sense. Don't build in floodplains or accept consequences or accept consequences. Simple. Yeah. Uh, yes. People in Coon Valley, not in a floodplain. Most, I, I think most of them, if not, well, not, no, there were some that were. But for the most part, they weren't in a floodplain. I don't know as much. And in fact, what is the, what's the town that rebuilt away, away from the water? Was that DeSoto? I think DeSoto did that, right? They shut down most of the town and then built up the hill or something like that? Didn't that just happen after 2007? Am I thinking of the wrong town? I might be. Let's see. Mark says, not saying climate isn't changing, but weather records are relatively young, i.e. 1880s. So how do we really know all this hasn't happened many times before? Gaze Mills. All right, thanks for that. Yep, no, it was Gaze Mills, not DeSoto. Yeah, Gaze Mills, they just relocated. Yeah, we're done with this. We're done with the flooding. Let's just move up the hill. That's, some, that's also something that can happen. That was after 2007, I think. That, man, that was just, yeah, that was huge. I, yes. thought, I thought you were talking about Venice, but no. Yeah, Venice. They, um, they're, they're absolutely going underwater. <laughs> 
Vettis says that's all you can. Uh, yeah. How does and the Vettis is a crazy thing is that the buildings are under right there. There's a lot of building under the water there. At some point that deteriorates. All right, six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you'd like to join us here on the air, if you're especially if you're in Venice right now, in a gondola, and you would like to uh, speak with us, uh, feel free. The Better Hearing Center talk text line six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. And I, I I wanted to mention that we, I think if I'm not mistaken, Ken Cooper again will be on tomorrow morning. I'm not mistaken about that. He'll be on with Mike Hayes tomorrow morning. Um, but. Uh, What's that? Uh, two people just told me it was Soldiers Grove that built the town away from whatever. Gaze Mills also, but also Soldiers Grove did the same thing. Really? All right. Well, definitely would have gotten that wrong in a quiz. I imagine DeSoto is right where it always has been. I think uh, Mar-a-Lago is going underwater, too. Like in, in, in a period of time, that will be underwater. Like all of, all of Florida. Well, change is inevitable, right? I mean, weather so, always happens. So the, the continents break apart. Things go underwater. City of Atlantis, all that. That all happens. So without doubt, there's going to be some. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some going underwater. Change occurs. That's, that's how things. That's how things go in this world. Things washed downstream. What's the latest at Como Falls near Hoka? What is that? Did, am I understanding this correctly? That there's not going to be a Como Falls? I think it might be. It might just be a, a different area where the falls take place. Okay. Hard to say. And I haven't been over there. I just saw like a drone video, and it's kind of hard to like figure out what's exactly going on because mm. the drone never stops. So. So does it look basically like it's washed? away or what what does it look like yeah the water no longer is going down the waterfall it is all if you're looking at the waterfall coming from the fire department it looks like all the water went down to the is now going down to the right of the falls okay which means uh, you know like uh but i it's hard hard to see it was hard to see So como falls is in hoka yep okay so the the only tourist attraction that hoka had going for it is now kaput well, the Twin Creeks is a mini golf course, driving range, volleyball course, and there's a basketball hoop there. It's probably probably washed away. Yeah. So that was Hoka's main attraction. That okay. Como Hoka, Falls was the other. Oh, and Hoka also has like a man-made, like swimming pool. Like yeah. it's a pond, but yeah. it's a swimming pool. It's got a barbed wire fence around it. Ooh, that sounds attractive. Um, not like it's got a fence around it. Not like barbed wire fence, but like prison barbed wire over the top of the <laughs> fence. It's really interesting. <laughs> But the the pool is cool. It's got diving boards. Nobody yeah. has diving boards anymore on right? outdoor pools. Yeah, if think. you want if you want real actual diving, you got to go to Hoka, or you did, but they were probably washed away too. All right, well, so much for Como Falls. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you'd like to join us here on the air, seven eight five seventy nine fourteen. Drew's report from the newsroom. Scott's comment and more of your calls and comments on the way right here on Wisdom. This is where pressing issues. Blue Cross Talk PM and WYZ. I'm Mitch Reynolds. Thanks for joining us here this afternoon. Glad you're here. Glad to be here. 608-785-7914 is the Better Hearing Center talk and text line. Also on Facebook and Twitter, you could send me an email, Mitch at 1410WYZM.com. On Facebook Live, too, if that 
there's any interest at all. Uh, Chris on Facebook, funny stuff. Chris and his daughters spent the day in Coon Valley helping clean up and dig out. They saw the Wisdom vehicle. The girls were looking for Mitch. I said, well, Governor Walker is here. But they were on the lookout for the King of the Airways. Titan of Talk, King of the Airways. I think I like Titan of Talk better, but they can go King of the Airways if that's, I suppose. I don't know. Uh, appreciate you, Chris, helping out in uh, Coon Valley. A lot of people down there, as a matter of fact. I mean, there's, it, there's, uh, we had, uh, we sent, we had a couple of our stations down there. Brad Williams was down there to cover Governor Walker stopping in town, uh, in Coon Valley and making an assessment, getting a, we talked about this yesterday. I'll go back, back to this in a minute, but we, Rick and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I don't think we talked about it on the air, but the, the, uh, politician photo op thing during natural disasters. Well, one of them what was it Tony Evers, right? He had he had like his Badger polo shirt tucked into his jeans, his grandma jeans, and he yeah. was feeling sandbags. Or well, something. he's got a T-shirt on, and then <laughs> over that he's got the Badger, and not like a cool uh, golf like the because there's like cool polo shirts, not cool like you're a nerd or you're cool, and like it was uh, like polyester uh, and looked just like a hot, uncomfortable. Did he borrow the Badger? Did he borrow somebody? somebody's polo shirt to put on for the he photo made op. Him, he made one of his interns take yeah. their shirt. So in the background, you could see a guy without his shirt on because his intern, he took his intern shirt. But like, you don't wear that if you're going to go do some sandbag shoveling or No, if it's a photo op, anything. of course you do. Well, if it's a photo op. Well, what's funny is Walker also was sandbag shoveling. First of all, they did it in the same exact spot because apparently you can see the same red house in the background. So maybe do your photo ops <laughs> at different locations. Or maybe that's where you have to do it. There's like there's one place where politicians can do photo ops to fill sandbags in order to put on top of the earth and dam. That part's sectioned off. As yeah, like that's sectioned off. a politician, like, right. The sand is really soft there. We have really light sand. There's EMTs the available when you just guys have case. a heart attack. Just in case. And then the other thing was like, um, you know, there was... Uh, when these are posted in social media, then there's the fight over, you know, who did more as a like. I'm sure Governor Walker and Tony Evers really made a difference there because they're, they're humping sand. In man. the Walker really picture, yeah, there's a there's like a protester in the background, <laughs> like with a little cardboard sign that you can't really read, and it's like, why doesn't he grab a shovel? <laughs> and then it's like, well, Walker and Evers were at the same spot, and it's like, well, Evers was only was only there an hour, and Walker's Walker was there way over or more than an hour, and he did six sandbags, and then there was like a oh sandbag gosh, count. And I do maybe we, should we end the photo the sandbag photo op? I mean, or, or I didn't just, see Nelson uh, Nelson Mandela. I didn't see Nelson Ma- uh, Mandela. Barnes wasn't there, right? Like he wasn't he wasn't out there like shoveling and. Um, who is Clayfish? Rebecca Clayfish. I didn't see her out there. That doesn't shoveling. mean she wasn't. That doesn't mean she wasn't. Where was the photo? Of all op, of though? those people, I would say Rebecca Clayfish is the most likely to fill a sandbag. I bet she's more likely than any of the rest of them to fill sandbags. Well, she should post on her Twitter instead of about like people not flushing the toilets. That was fair game. Yes, flush the toilets. That's reasonable. <laughs> if the lieutenant governor is not going to point that out, who is? 
But uh, totally maybe she should post out there, hey, I was out there shoveling sandbags. I didn't take a photo op. Like, that's how you do that's it. That's how you do it. You don't take, you, you drop but in, you, you don't tell anybody you're coming, you shovel like 500 sandbags, <laughs> and then you head home. Don't tell a soul. That's what I would do. Except on Twitter. I haven't done any sandbags yet at all. Not that anybody needs sandbags anymore. But anyway, so uh, Brad Williams was down in uh, Coon Valley today. Uh, Governor Walker stopped by there to do an assessment. And truth be told, that visit for a lot of people is incredibly meaningful because for them in Coon Valley, that means that tiny little village that the governor is, has heard that things are so bad or have gotten bad enough where he needs to come down there and, yeah, maybe takes a, maybe takes a couple pictures, maybe does some interviews. I mean, he flew in on a chopper. That, at the very least, yeah. I mean, he flew in on the, on, the, on the chopper, but at the very least, he is putting his feet on the ground and getting a first eye account first eye account did he fly in from madison on the chopper or how does that uh, work from um yeah from the airfield my guess is there that'd be my guess okay. yeah so they have like right there at what what is that the airport they have in madison there's an airfield there that the uh, i can't think of what squadron that is there's something that's right there sure i was just curious yeah. uh so Governor Walker was there. We had another uh, one of our stations, the uh, 95.7 The Rock, uh, through the Rock Foundation, which is the, their charitable wing. They were there today, dropped off. They brought water and Gatorade, and I want to say bleach as well, because that's one of those things that you need a lot of in a flood cleanup. So hats off to 95.7 The Rock and the Rock Foundation for uh, dragging a truckload full of stuff down there for the people in Coon Valley. But reports that we're getting back out of there from people there and from our people that were down there is that, yeah, you know, the flood water's gone. Not gone. Well, yeah, mostly. And in its wake, it's left a fair amount of mud. A lot of of dirty, muddy, lots of stuff and a lot of damage. A lot of, lot of damage to uh, homes and businesses and cars and everything. One of the pictures that we got back. And for those of you in Coon Valley who've seen this, is the uh, the John Deere lawn tractor that somehow wound up getting swept down down the stream somehow. And there is also right at the edge, uh, right by Coon Creek, right, right by the bridge at Coon Creek, there is. And we did we did a story. It's not it's not in the same place, but we did a story this morning. And actually, Ken Cooper talked to a woman is that their family farm was basically washed downstream by a dam breaking. It's not, it's not exactly right there, but it's, you know, it's in that area. Um, so it, this will remind you of that if you see the picture, but there are, there are pumpkins that have washed down from somewhere else, washed down the, the creek from somewhere, and have wound up at uh, right there in Coon Valley. So there's pumpkins available down there if you want to go get some. At any rate, so uh, a lot of work yet to be done, and um, a lot of stuff going on down there, and a lot of a lot of volunteers. We do have some news, and I mentioned this earlier. For those who are interested in uh, giving, please do, and you can a couple different ways you could do that. If you would like to help those who have been impacted by floods, remember that a lot of these people. Let's. This is one of the important things. A lot of these people are not do not have flood insurance because they did not have to have it because they don't live in a floodplain. That's, it's kind of like, if you remember, or maybe some of you were impacted in 2007, nobody, many of the people impacted by those heavy rains in 2007 didn't have flood insurance because they, they didn't have to. They didn't live in a floodplain. There was no sense that they would ever be impacted by flood, flood waters. So 
we'll see how all this shakes out. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some assistance and all that kind of stuff. But if you're interested, there's a couple different ways that you could be a part of uh, providing some funds for people to... Um, to help them with their needs, uh, we have on our website, wisdomnews.com, there is information about a fund that's being set up in Westby, I think. That's on our website. Go check that out. And also, what is the other one? Let's see. Let's see. This is um, this is the one in Westby, and this is, uh, I, I don't know what this is. Maybe we can look this up, because I don't even know what this is. I, I This is from Vernon County Emergency Management, but the Bethel... Butic? Butic? Something. Something in Westby. You can send your money there. That information's on our website. Also, Catholic Charities, they let us know earlier that that uh, they would be directing donations locally to those impacted by floods and storms. There is also the Red Cross, of course, and you can... Um, Provide funding for them, and they are—they've been on the ground since they have—they have a response team, and they get on the ground right away, and they're going to be providing more of a response. We're also going to be working with the Red Cross uh, coming up here at some point uh, to raise some funds as well. So, plenty of ways that you can help out. A lot of these people were severely impacted. A lot of people with not a whole lot to begin with, severely impacted by high water, and so there's some options for you. And let's see, still. Yeah, go ahead, Rick. Are, are we still at the point where we're not baking casseroles and bringing them? No, go ahead and bake your casseroles. And bring That's it fine. to the yeah, West go, School, Yeah, right? no, I'd, I'd, I'd go ahead and bring that casserole. And if not, bring it down to the station. I, it's actually, don't don't bake a casserole. Bring non-perishable goods. Uh, those are always, a lot of people don't have, still don't have power and maybe won't for a while. So non-perishables are really good. Cliff bars, by the way, excellent, especially the high-protein ones, excellent source of protein. Um, yeah, non-perishables are preferred stuff. That's good. Not bad. Don't bring anybody a can of green beans. If anybody brings cans of green beans, especially the French cut ones, if you start bringing French cut green beans to the Westby high school, there's going to be a throwdown. All right. Don't, don't start digging those, those sliced carrots out of your cupboard that you inherited from grandma. Leave those in there. Go get something that's good and worthwhile and something that has some level of health to it. No no French cut green beans. Don't bring those down there. Nobody likes those and at, by, they're not, there's nothing good about them. <laughs> that's just me. I'm editorializing on French cut green beans, by the way, but they bring back all kinds of bad memories. Just beans, green beans in a can in general. Some. What about you, green you, bean casserole? I don't. No, nobody likes green bean casserole. I love green with the onion what? stuff on no, the top. No, nobody likes that. It is a fan favorite. All right, I don't like it. Yeah, that, that you always pretended like you liked it because somebody made it, and you want to be like, oh yeah, I love this. It's terrible, horrible stuff. That again may just be me. That other people may like that, and you're okay if you do. Totally fine. Right. So, yeah, no, I didn't have, I, I did not discuss uh, Ron Johnson's comments about John McCain, but he has, he did say that he, uh, and we had Senator Johnson on last hour. We talked about a number of different things, including the flooding in Western Wisconsin, but also uh, NAFTA. We talked about that for a little while and also John McCain. And he mentioned how 
he had a tremendous amount of respect for John McCain, didn't always agree with him, but had a tremendous amount of respect for him and noted that uh, people all around the world had similar amounts of respect for him. Um, I, I never saw that part of John McCain. Uh, I'm not as familiar with him as a political figure as many of you are, obviously. Um, I asked uh, Senator Johnson about some of those who are uh, seek to at this, you know, have in the past or now have sought to discredit him and uh, his his legacy. And I think that uh, Senator Johnson was largely dismissive of that. I mean, there's a, uh, I, I think there is a divide right now in relation to people who believe that that um, that Senator McCain was uh was an American icon or American hero, and those who believe that there's something rotten in Denmark. So, I history mostly tells us the former. At least how it's written. But you can certainly find those who would attest to the latter. And I'm, I've never done a f- significant amount of... St- I have studied the Forestall Fire, by the way, for those of you who still think John McCain started that. That's uh, not true. But um, that I don't... Personally, I'm, I'm not as familiar with John McCain. I will say, however, that the thing that is most frequently cited about John McCain's time in in a Vietnam POW camp. One of the things that's most frequently cited is that he he said no to an early release. He could have gotten out or he could have gone home and he said no, he'd wait his turn in line. Look, we need to clarify that. Uh, to my understanding, unless I'm misunderstanding this, uh, he is. He was under. He would probably face a court martial if you, if uh, as an officer, if you accepted an early release from a prisoner of war camp like that. That is that simply violates code of conduct. So I, I'm not going to say that that you know. And maybe there was a decision to be made there. Frankly, and you know, if you were tortured to the point you'd be like, "Yeah, man, give me, give me the hell out of here. I don't care what the ramifications are," but. It's it wasn't it, it's not quite as simple as we'd like to we'd like to believe it to be. Yes, Rick. Give me the court martial. I want to go home. Right? Yeah, like right. I mean, honestly, I don't know how I would react in that situation. Most people don't, <laughs> and most people, you know, when you start when you look at the when you start to do a critical evaluation of six and a half years in a POW camp, you have to realize that most of you would not be able to handle that. So I I you know whatever the situation, but I just want to clarify that that one little part because we tend to gloss over that. This is wisdom. I'm Mitch Reynolds. It's that time of year, project time. Maybe you're planning a kitchen or a bathroom remodel, or maybe you're building a new home or the new home you just purchased needs a few adjustments. Chances are, whatever project you're... Closing time, open all the doors and let you out into the world. I'm Mitch Reynolds. This is Lacrosse Talk PM on WIZM. It is indeed closing time for me. And uh, this, uh, in, appreciate uh, Senator Ron Johnson joining us for a few minutes at the beginning of the first hour. Um, we'll uh, revisit some of that conversation at some point. But uh, 
plan to say there in relation to the ongoing uh, conversations over NAFTA, which from his perspective is uh, working out that agreement is essential. And that's uh, just a, just how will it, you know, is, is one of the questions. Will it get worked out? So thanks for that. And for all of you for joining in and offering your input on, especially that, uh, the global climate change thing. It, it makes you wonder how many immediately say, yeah, that's what it's got to be. All that rain. Thanks and my love to Anna. We will talk tomorrow right here on Wisdom.